Jump on in. We're in week three of our, uh, our series called, But What If I Fail? And today we're going to be talking about one of the biggest failures of the Bible, one that we kind of look at, or at least I usually look at, um, as one that is a major, major one. But we are, like I said, in week three of our series. We're going to have one more week next week, uh, the 19th. We'll, have our, we'll finish our series up, and then we'll be starting something new the last week of May. So I kind of want to give you a little roadmap of what's coming, but uh, we're going to do things a little bit different. We're going to actually have our our text worked within our message this morning. So we're going to jump right into point one so we can kind of get into this. But we're really going to be talking about today about um, this this understanding of Peter's great failure. Peter's great failure. We're going to be in John uh, this morning. We're going to be jumping around just a little bit, but we're going to start in John 13 and uh, we're going to read a little bit and we're going to go from here. Now, before we get into this, I want to kind of give you a little understanding of where we're at in the whole uh, scripture and the whole understanding of the story. Jesus and his disciples are at the Last Supper. John is a little bit different than the other synoptic gospels. He gets a lot more into the event of the Last Supper, things that Jesus did and Jesus said. And, uh, and so he really kind of gets into some of these things. And so we're going to jump right in here with uh, what, what Jesus is saying in verse number 33. It says, Dear children, I will be with you only a little longer. As I told the Jewish leaders, you will search for me, but you can't come where I'm going. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. And now we're going to jump into verse 36. So Simon Peter asked, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus replied, you can't go with me now, but you will follow me later. Now, Peter keeps pushing here. He says, but, but, but why can't I come now, Lord? He asked, I'm ready to die for you. This is a pretty bold statement here that Peter's making. This is a pretty big uh, thing. He's standing up here and around all these guys and all these things. He's sitting there going, you know, Jesus, man, I'm with you, buddy. Wherever you're going to go, I'm going to go. I'll die for you. And so we went on to verse 38. Jesus answered, die for me. Die for me. I tell you the truth, Peter. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny three times that you even know me. So now, we know this story. We understand what's happened here. Jesus and Peter having this exchange. And Jesus prophesies over Peter and says, hey, listen, dude. I know you think that you're okay. You think you're going to be able to do all this stuff. But hey, you're going to deny that you even know who I am three times before morning. Peter's a little taken aback by this, and and he's kind of like, oh man, and and this is not a good situation. So now let's jump to John 18. In John 18, at this point in Scripture, basically Jesus has been arrested. He's been grabbed, and now he's been taken uh, in front of the Jewish leaders, and they're having some meetings, obviously, and they're deciding kind of what they can do and how they can do it. And so it says this, it says, starting in verse 15, it says, Simon Peter followed Jesus, as did another of the disciples. The other disciples was acquainted with the high priest, so he was allowed to enter the high priest's courtyard with Jesus. Okay, so now Peter's kind of left alone, and he's sitting there. Peter had stayed outside the gate. Then the disciple who knew the high priest spoke to a woman watching at the gate, and she let Peter in. So now Peter's kind of come in as well, and he's sitting there. Now, starting verse number 17, the woman asked Peter, You're not one of that man's disciples, are you? And Peter says, no. He says, I'm not. 
Because it was cold, the household servants and the guards had made a charcoal fire. They stood around it, warming themselves. And Peter stood with them, warming himself. Now, uh, we're going to jump down now, because we have some other things that are... um, that are written here, but not really where we're going to be. So now we're going to jump down um, to basically John eighteen twenty five. Okay, so we're going to jump in just a little bit um, to the story. And so now we continue on with what's going on uh, by the fire. Meanwhile, as Simon Peter was standing by the fire, warming himself, they asked him again, you're not one of his disciples, are you? He denied it, saying, no, I am not. And now let's continue on. But one of the household slaves of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, small world, okay? You know, I, I, was, I always thought that was an interesting thing that John put in Scripture. You know, so, oh, just so, so you know, this, this is, and for all of you that, that, that remember, Peter, when Jesus is nabbed, Peter grabs a sword for one of the guys, and he cuts off the ear of someone that's trying to arrest uh, Jesus, and in this moment of just really amazing, cool Jesusness, I guess, if I don't, that's not a word, but I just made it up. Basically, Jesus looks at Peter and says, hey, dude, put the sword away. And he grabs the guy's ear and he heals the guy's ear. So this is the relative of the guy that basically Peter cuts his ear off. He says, he says didn't I see you out there in the olive grove with Jesus? Again, Peter denied it. And immediately, a rooster crowed. Now, this is a big deal, okay? You got to remember, you got you to take a step back a little bit and look at the whole picture here. Peter has been following Jesus for three years. He has been with the guy. He's seen things. There's been opportunities for him to leave before, and he doesn't. He stays on, and he's learning, and he's trying to grow. And, and we really do see in Scripture this, this growth of Peter as he's gone from kind of this, this fisherman to this guy that's, that's been following Jesus. And he obviously makes some mistakes, but he does some really great things. I mean, this is the guy that walks on water. This is the guy that that does some amazing things. He's seen Jesus heal people. He's seen Jesus feed 5,000 or basically more people with with just a little bit of fish and a little bit of bread. He's seen all these things. And he's he's with Jesus at this Last Supper in this amazing moment. And Jesus is beginning to pour himself out in an unbelievable way to his disciples to prepare them for what's going to happen. And basically Jesus says, hey, listen, there's something coming and you're not going to be able to come with me now. It's a big deal. And Peter stands up with a bunch of gusto and a bunch of macho-ness. And he basically says, Jesus, wherever you go, I'll go, man. I'll go. I'll even die for you. And Jesus, with this smile and kind of this sad look on his face, I could just picture Jesus looking at Peter and saying, seriously? You're going to deny me three times before daybreak. One of the things I'm going to really want to ask Peter when I meet him one day is, what must have gone through his head at that moment? What must have gone through his mind? I mean, did Peter just sit there and go, no, Jesus, you're wrong? Did, did Peter sit there and say, oh, my goodness, am I really going to do this? I, I don't know. I'm, I'm interested to see. But what we see here is this great failure of Peter, this, this moment where Peter has an opportunity to stand up and say, no, no, I'm with this guy. No, I believe in this guy. No, I've seen all these things. Instead, he denies. And he doesn't deny him to a bunch of people that have the power or the authority to actually arrest him. These are servants. 
Not to be mean on Mother's Day, but you have to understand the times. This was a woman. These were not individuals who had the authority to actually take him and do to him what he was afraid was going to happen. And so he denies. He says, no, I don't even know him. In other Gospels, we see that Peter actually curses people out in his denial. He says, no, no, I don't know. I don't know him. I don't, I don't believe that he is obviously who he says he is. This is a big deal. This is a defining moment in Peter's life. This is more and greater than seeking underneath the waves as he used to be walking on the water when he took his eyes off Jesus. This is basically Peter saying, nah, nah, he's not who he says he is. This is a big deal. So let's fast forward a little bit. Let's look at Peter's response to his great failure. Now, we're going to jump up here to John chapter 21. Now, again, let me give you some some background. In John 21, Jesus has been obviously arrested. He's now been crucified, and he has risen again. We know that Peter has seen Jesus and experienced Jesus before this moment, okay? We have some scripture in 1 Corinthians that show us that, and some in Luke, that Peter and Jesus have met, okay, but we don't have a close, necessarily, explanation of, of some of their meetings at this point. But we're going to see something here. So now we're going to look at Peter's response to all of this. So you've got to remember here, okay? You've got to put yourself in Peter's uh, shoes, okay? Peter has followed Jesus for three years. Then Peter denies Christ. He knows that Jesus has been crucified. He thinks the story is over. And then he finds out and experiences the risen Lord. Okay, that's where we're at in the story. Okay, Peter's experienced this. But this is where we find ourselves in John 21. In John 21, it says this. Later, Jesus appeared again to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee. This is how it happened. Several of the disciples were there. Simon Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel from Canaan of Galilee. The brothers... Verse 3. There, that's okay. The son of Zebedee and the two other disciples. Simon Peter said... I'm going fishing. We'll come too, they all said. So they went out in the boat, but they caught nothing all night. So what's Peter's response to all this? Now, we've got to remember here, okay? Peter now has seen Jesus. Jesus has been risen from the dead. He's realized now all the stuff that Jesus prophesied about himself, about the fact that he would be handed over to, to a sinful men, that he would be crucified, and then on the third day he would rise again. Peter understands all this. He's, he's experienced all this. He knows all these things. And so what's Peter's great response to all this? I'm going fishing. Now, why is this important? Why does this matter in our understanding of failure and how we deal with it and how Jesus wants to deal with us in our own heart? What's Peter do? Listen, Peter doesn't run back to Jesus at this moment and say, Hey, dude, here I am. I'm ready to be used by you. He goes back to his old life. He goes back to what he did before. He goes back to saying, you know what? What do I do now? Jesus has risen. What, what, what do we do now? I guess I'll just go back fishing. You realize in our own lives when we fail, because here's, here's the thing, the situation we're looking at. Peter had these grandiose ideas. He had been called by Jesus to not be a fisher of fish anymore, but to be a fisher of men. Okay? And that calling is a calling that is a lifelong calling in his life. Okay, listen, you need to understand something. This is important that you get this. When God calls you, 
He doesn't rescind that call. Okay? When God has said, I want you to do this. I have prepared you to do this. I have designed you to do this. That's not a one-time thing or a time thing that has a time limit on it. That is something that God is asking you to be doing your entire existence here on this earth. Because he created you to do those things. You're created in a special way. And you, you have your experiences for a special purpose and a special reason. And so Peter has been called, listen, you're not going to fish for fish anymore. You're going to fish for men. But because of his failure, because of his mess up, Peter thinks, man, I must not be good enough to be a fisher of men anymore. I denied Christ. I messed up. I screwed up. So what am I going to do? i got to support myself. I'll go back and go fishing again. So he does. And in a beautiful twist, what's he do? He fishes all night. And doesn't catch any fish. Isn't that interesting? He's a fisherman. He knows how to fish. And he shows back up after all this stuff has happened. And he tries to catch fish and he doesn't catch anything. I know in my own life when God has asked me to do something. He's called me to do something. And I failed at it. I've, I've had that issue where things didn't go well. It's really, really hard. To feel like I can go back and do it again. Because I failed. I messed up. And so typically what I will do is I'll go back to what I was before. I'll go back to what I knew before. And that was Peter's response. He said, you know what? This is what I'm going to do. This is all I'm good at. This is, this is all obviously I can do. And so he runs back. He runs back to what he knew before. Next. Now we're going to see... How Jesus responds to this. How he handles this situation. We're going to look at the restoration of Peter. We're going to look at the restoration of Peter. Now, look at John chapter 21, verse number 4. So, this is, we're picking up right where we left off in verse number 3. It says, at dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach. But his disciples couldn't see who he was. So he calls out, fellows, have you caught any fish? I love this. I just I love this story. Have you caught any fish? He's just, he's just this guy on the beach, you know. They don't know who he is. Just This guy walks up and says, hey, guys, you caught anything? No, they replied, haven't caught anything. He says, then he said, throw out your nets on the right-hand side of the boat, and you'll get some. So they did, and they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. Then the disciple Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. When Simon Peter heard it was the Lord, he put on his tunic, for he had stripped for work, work, jumped in the water, and headed to shore. The other stayed with the boat and pulled the loaded nets to shore. I love this. This cracks me up. I just love this picture in my mind. Jesus is sitting there on the shore. Peter has realized it's the Lord. He's like, oh, i got to go see Jesus. He jumps in the boat and leaves everybody else to bring in the fish. He says... For they were about 100 yards from shore. When they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them. Fish cooking over a charcoal fire and some bread. Said, bring some of the fish you just caught, Jesus said. So Simon Peter went aboard, dragged the net to the shore. And there were 153 large fish, and yet the net hadn't torn. Now, come and let's have some breakfast, Jesus said. None of the disciples dared to ask him who you are. They knew it was the Lord. Then Jesus served them the bread and the fish. This was the third time that Jesus had appeared to his disciples since he'd been risen from the dead. 
after breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? There has been some debate and discussion about what these were that Jesus was referring to. Some people think it was Jesus was referring to the other disciples. And some people think that Jesus was referring to the fish and the old lifestyle. We're not quite sure. There's, there's lots of different ways to go here. But basically Jesus just says, hey, do you love me more than this stuff? And he says, yes, Lord, Peter replied, you know I love you. And Jesus says, then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. A third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus' response to that is, then feed my sheep. This is such a beautiful story for so many reasons. And I want to break this down in, 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 in understanding kind of how Jesus handles this. Now, you got to remember Jesus, and we see this in Scripture, that, that Peter had met Jesus before. Okay, They could have had this conversation at another time, but Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus chooses to have this conversation here, and there's a reason for it. Remember, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. Jesus is brilliant. Jesus understands how he needs to deal with each individual at a certain time. So there's got to be reasons here why Jesus chooses to make this the moment where he reinstates Peter. And so I think, looking at these stories, I can see some correlations of some things that we need to look at. Number one, we understand that we see, once again, we go back. Jesus takes Peter back to his original calling. If you remember in Luke 5, we see this type of story played out where basically Jesus is teaching. He's, he's teaching people and, and Peter's out there and he's, he's kind of hanging out and he's kind of working on his nets and things like that or he's fishing and basically Jesus kind of mentions, hey, have you caught anything? And he's like, no, we haven't caught anything. He says, hey, go out, drop your nets again. And he do it and they catch a bold bunch of fish. It's eerily similar to this story. It's like Jesus is bringing him back to the beginning. He's bringing him back to his original calling. He's saying, hey, I want you to remember this. I want you to remember this moment. I want you to remember the moment where I called you and I said, you're mine. And I said, I need you and I'm going to use you. And he brings him back to a, a situation that's very, very similar. So that's where Jesus starts. Peter gets this load of fish and you know he's human. So he's going, oh my goodness, I remember when this happened before. He comes to shore. He gets there, and what is waiting for him when he gets there besides Jesus? A charcoal fire. Did you ever notice that before? In Luke, or basically in John 18, what is Peter warming himself near? A charcoal fire. Peter's not dumb. He knows the last time more than likely he was around something like that. What was he doing? He was denying Christ. And so here he is. The parallels are, are undeniable. Peter comes up and there it is again. It's like Jesus brings him back to that moment of failure. He brings him back to that thing. I mean, I, I, I like fires. I enjoy fires. I like when we go camping, we like to build a fire. Or you have a, I don't know if you have a fire pit in your backyard and you build up that fire and it smells so good. Now, not one of those that, you know, you have a propane tank that you turn it on because you can't get the, the crackle and the smell, but like a real good fire. And you can just smell that or, 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 or whatever. Or maybe you have a, a charcoal grill and you get those charcoals all going. 
going, and then you just smell that smell, that charcoal burn. You know, Peter walks up, and you know that that scent hits his nostrils, and he's immediately taken back to the last time that, that something major league happened near a charcoal fire, and there he is again. And you can just, I can just see Peter just begin to shrink back, like, oh no, he knows. He knows. And there he is, totally exposed. What's going to happen next? What's Jesus going to do in that moment? Well, Jesus does something interesting. Basically, Jesus takes him on a journey again. And he, he knows that Peter obviously denies him three times. So he allows Peter to confess his love three times. Isn't that interesting? He doesn't just ask Peter once, do you love me? He says, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? He said, no, I don't know you three times. So now he's conferring to God. He's saying, no, I do know you. No, I do love you. Yes, I realize that I made a mistake. I realize that I messed up. There was a failure. There was a hurt. There was something I should have not have done. But now I am admitting that I was wrong. I'm admitting that I need you. I'm admitting that I love you. I'm admitting that I have to have you. What an unbelievable moment here as as this is happening. And it's happening in public. It's happening in a way as as they're seeing all these things. So there's this this three-time denial and now there's a three-time confessional. And then how does it end? How does it end? Jesus focuses him to the future. He focuses him on, on now. Listen, now that we're past this, what you need to do next, where you need to go now, He basically is talking to him, even in the process of all this confession, of basically him saying, listen, you need to to feed my sheep. You need to take care of those I place under you. You need to help them. You need to be a part of them. Because here's what happens. Unfortunately, when we fail and we feel like we've messed up and we feel like we can't be used anymore, we kind of go back to what we knew. We kind of go back to what we've always done. And we stop taking care of those that God has placed around us because we don't feel like we're worthy. We don't feel like we're capable. We don't feel like we're able to do the things that God has asked us to do. And Jesus' response to that is, hey, listen, I know you failed, but your calling is still good. I know you messed up, but I know now that you understand that and you love me and you're moving forward. Now, let's move forward. Let's continue the march. Let's start doing that. Because here's the most deadly, horrible thing that we can do as a Christian when we fail. And that is we sit down and we have a pity party and we don't keep moving. Listen, there are going to be times, there's going to be moments in all of our lives where we're going to mess up and we're going to fail and we're going to sit down on the side of the road, as it were, on our journey with Christ and we're going to go, oh my goodness, I can't believe I messed up. Listen, there are people that I have known for years and they've done things and they have sat on their rear end and stayed there because they've convinced themselves that now... Jesus can't use me. Now I've messed up too much. Now I've I've messed it all up and now I'm just going to sit here and mope. I'm going to sit here and act like what I think of myself is more important than how God sees me. We're going to talk about that next week, so I don't want to get too much into that. But Peter begins to have this, but Jesus begins to focus him forward. He begins to focus him on what he needs him to do now. Basically, you need to understand this. Jesus didn't ask Peter, are you sorry? Nor will you promise to never do that again. Jesus challenged Peter 
to love. That's what he did. He didn't, listen, we don't see that in scripture. We don't see Jesus sitting there. This is important that you catch this, okay? Because what, what do we do with our children? I'm not saying this is wrong or bad, but what do we do with our kids? They mess up, they do something. And what do we, say you're sorry. Say you're, it's Mother's Day, okay? I, I saw a video just a couple weeks ago where it was like, what would it be like if everyone was like your mother? And so there was this, there was a video and basically there was this guy and there was a knock on the door and there was a police officer and a a guy and there was a knock on the door and there was a lady, she opens the door and the police officer looks at her and says, hello there, ma'am. And she's like, hello. And she goes, and she goes, go ahead, go ahead. We uh, go ahead. And the the guy's just standing there like, what do you want me to do? And he just gets so frustrated. And so he looks at the lady and says, listen, uh, we we found your laptop that this individual stole. uh, And uh, and he has something he'd like to tell you. And the guy's like, what do you you want? The the police officer grabs him by the ear. Say, you're sorry. Say, you're sorry. Say, you're sorry. And he's like, "Uh, I'm sorry. And you won't ever do it again. And and I won't ever do it again. You know. Go get in the car. Just go get in the car. You know, and the guy ducks his head and off he goes into the car. You know, Jesus doesn't do that. He doesn't berate Peter. He doesn't, he doesn't say, how could you? Isn't that interesting? Because I don't know about you, a lot of times when it comes to sometimes how I see God and I mess up and I fail and I fail him and I fail myself, it's like I feel like God is, is kind of sitting there up in heaven and he's tapping his foot and he's just saying, how could you? But Jesus doesn't do that. He doesn't do that. He basically just says, hey, I think he knows Peter's heart. It's not that Peter wasn't sorry that he messed up. It was that Jesus understood that that wasn't necessary at that moment. What Jesus wanted to do more than anything was help Peter understand that he still loved, he still cared for, and he still has a calling on his life. And so he doesn't berate him. He just challenges him to love. Look, something we all need to understand because we've all failed and we've all messed up. And, and sometimes we sit there and go, okay, I've messed up. I, 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 where do I start? How do I go to begin that process again of being used by God after my failure? It's quite simple. You just begin to love those around you. You just begin to love those around you. You begin to care for those around you. Because when you do that, you take the focus off of yourself and you begin to put it on others. What's a pity party? A pity party is a party you have. It's a party of one because you're focused on you. What you did, how you messed up, that God won't love you anymore. It's you, 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 you. Loving others, taking care of sheep, taking care of others around you. It's taking the focus off of you and onto them, which is important that we understand. And so here Jesus comes and he says, listen, listen, listen. Now is the time to begin to focus on who else I need you to focus in on. Here in this moment, I've restored you. I've brought you home and I've brought you back. Now it's time to focus on others. And then we finish this story in a very interesting way, in the reassurance given to Peter. Look at John 21. Now, this is a weird reassurance. I understand that, but I want you to follow with me, okay? In John 21, 18, it says this. After all this has happened and and Jesus has commanded Peter to do this and to love and so on and so forth, we see this in 18. I tell you the truth. When you were young, you were able to do as you liked. You dressed yourself and went wherever you wanted to go. 
But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and others will dress you and take you where you don't want to go. Jesus said this to let him know by what kind of death he would glorify God. Then Jesus told him, follow me. Now, you may look at that and go, that's not really reassuring to me, okay? That's not, I mean, basically Jesus is saying, okay, this is great. I'm glad we're getting this all taken care of. Oh, by the way, this is how you're going to die for me. I don't know if that would be a happy moment for me in my life. I'll just be honest with you. If Jesus was like, so listen, you're doing great. I love you. I'm proud of you. This is all going, you know, you're just going to do a great job. And this is how you'll die for me. I don't know if that's going to be one of those moments that I'm going to go, yay. But what's interesting here is this is an assurance that Jesus gives Peter. Now, what is the assurance? What had, how had Peter failed so miserably? I mean, yes, he denied Christ, but why did he deny Christ? He denies him because he's afraid of the same thing that's going to happen to him that's going to happen to Jesus. And he knows where Jesus is headed. It's to the cross. He knows the path that Jesus is going on. And in that moment, he failed. In that moment, he shrunk. In that moment, he basically said, self-preservation is where I'm going to go here because I don't want to die like that. So how does Jesus reassure him at the end? He basically looks at him and says, listen, I know you failed here before, but the next time you won't fail. To most historians and most people and most theologians, you know, from, from certain things... We believe that Peter was crucified. He did die as a martyr. So eventually, Peter does go to the cross. And Jesus here is prophesying over him and saying, listen to me. The next time, you won't fail. Isn't that awesome? I mean, it doesn't sound necessarily real great to us, but to Peter in that moment where he felt like, man, I messed it up. I had a chance and I blew it. Jesus is looking at him and saying, listen, next time, you're not going to fail. You know, what we have to understand is God takes everything in our lives, everything, and he works all things together to, for good for those that love him, even your failures, even your failures. And it's like Jesus is saying, listen, we're going to take this and I'm going to use it and you're going to glorify me and the next time you're going to make it. Next time you aren't going to fail. What an unbelievable reassurance. What an unbelievable moment in Peter's life where he sat there and he went, because you know he's had that, that, that regret and that hurt and that, oh, man, how could I? And you know what we do a lot of times when we fail like that? We sit there and say, oh, if I could just get one more chance. I won't fail this time. And Jesus here reassures Peter, you know what, buddy? You're right. You won't. But notice where Jesus shares this. He doesn't share it at the beginning. He doesn't share it when he first sees Peter. He waits to share this last. Why? Because Peter at this time has made a decision that he is not going to allow his failure in the past to keep him from what God wants him to do in the present and the future. Did you catch that? That's important. 
Peter made that decision. And when Peter made that decision, Jesus encourages him and assures him and helps him. A lot of times what we want to do is we want to sit down in that moment of pity party and we want Jesus to tell us that it's all going to work, it's all going to be perfect, and we're going to be perfect. And Jesus doesn't normally do that. He lets us make the decision because there's no faith if we already knew that we'd succeed. He wants us to say, no matter what, I will follow. No matter what, I will go. No matter what, I will accomplish what you've called me to accomplish. And when we do that and we step up and we begin to do that, that's when God will come behind us and say, yes, you will. Yes, you can. Yes, you will. I got you. You're going to be a success in this. And I've got you in this. But a lot of times we don't want to do that. And I wish in my own life, I'll be honest, I wish there were moments where it was like I have it all laid out in front of me. Like God would say, okay, Aaron, this is what today is going to look like, and this is what tomorrow is going to look like, and this is what 20 years. But he doesn't do that because it doesn't take any faith if you already know what's going to happen. There's no hope if you already know what's going to happen. And God knows so much what we need in those moments that he'll always make it perfect and he'll always bring it about in the moment that we need it to come. So important to understand. So important to to grasp this. Because here's the deal. Here's what you need to understand. Our God, our Jesus, is a God of second chances. He's a God of second chances. And you know what? In my life, he's, he's been the God of third chances and fourth chances and fifth chances. He's always been there to pick me up when I fall. He's always been there to say, you can do it. He's always picked me up and said, listen, with my help, you can do it. That's what scripture says. He says, on our own, we can do nothing. But with Christ, all things are possible. That's an unbelievable promise. But we have to understand it. If the worship team wants to come on up, we're going to close. But I want to talk to you because... I know that, that these are things that, that if we're human, we deal with. And it's that concept of failure, and it's that concept of, of understanding, okay, now what? Has, has, has Christ just basically looked at me and, and passed me over, you know? Like, like, have I messed up too much? I, I can just imagine what must have been going through Peter's mind through all of this situation, this, this concept of going, man, I blew it blew it and I'll never be used again and let me just tell you that's just not that's just, that's just a lie from the pit of hell we've all failed we've all messed up we've all done things that we've looked at or we do look at and, and we just it, it almost, it's almost like that hurt you know it's almost that thing in our hearts that is just and we kind of go back to it it's like we kind of go back to it at times and we think about it and we go, oh, how could I? How could I? You ever met somebody, you ever know somebody that whenever you've messed up and they just never let you forget it? They just constantly kind of bring it up. You know the worst person in my life who that is? It's me. It's me. I am so in touch with my failures I remember, I mean, failures that have to do with, with, with 
sports and failures that have to do with things I've done, failures that have to do with my, my Christian walk. I mean, I just, I just remember all of those things. And, and I fight sometimes to that concept or that thought of like, you know, how can God use somebody like me? You know what's interesting I've always found is, is and this isn't because I'm great, it's just, this is just how it works. There's so many people that look at me and they'll say, boy, if I just had that gift or if I was just like Aaron, I could do this. And you know what I do? I look at you and I go, if I just had this, if I just had what you have, boy, what could I do? Isn't that sad? I mean, isn't that weird that, that basically we, we constantly look at each other to figure out and go, boy, if I just had this, boy, things, I could really be used by God. And the person that you're focused in on, that if you just had what they have, are probably focused on you going, boy, if I just had what you had. You know what we need to do? We need to focus on what God's given us and know that God knows what he's doing and he's going to use what he's given us to make a difference. But the worst thing that we can do is think that, that God is not a God of second chances. The worst thing that we can do is sit down in that, that hurt and in that mess up and that failure and basically say, nope, Nope, it's over. It's done. You know, Jesus really wants to come and in all of our lives, bring us back to a fishing boat and a charcoal fire and a calling. I mean, here's the thing. Obviously, we see this in Scripture. Jesus knew Peter was going to fail. And he didn't just know at the Last Supper. Jesus knew that Peter was going to fail from the beginning of time. From the beginning. And he went to Peter and he said, follow me at the very beginning, knowing the failure that Peter was going to be. Knowing that he was going to sink. Knowing that he was going to say dumb things. Knowing that he was going to deny him. And Jesus in his infinite knowledge, wisdom, and love and mercy still looked at Peter and at the very beginning said, follow me. And what's he say at the very, not the end, but at the end of this momentous chapter of Peter's life? Follow me. You know, it's crazy to me how complicated we make Christianity. When Jesus basically just says, follow me, love me, love people, follow me, be with me, experience life with me. I'll help you. I'll be with you. He doesn't say, follow me after you said you're sorry. He doesn't say, follow me after you've done all these things and you've shown me that you're a good boy. He says, follow me. You know, I don't know what you've done. I don't need to know. But Jesus does. And he loves you. And his call to you is follow me. He knew you were going to mess up. He knew you were going to screw up. He knew you were going to do this or that or whatever you list. He knew it. He's always known it. And he still died for you and rose for you and has called you and desires you and still asks the same thing, commands the same thing. Follow me. Do what I've asked you to do. Because you can do it now. I'm with you. You can do it. So let's do something, okay? Let's take a moment and 
Let's close our eyes, and again, the only reason we do this is so we can focus. But let's focus for a moment, okay? I want you to begin to think of all the things that you have let hinder you from accomplishing the calling that Jesus has put on your life. And here's the thing, you need to understand, every single one of us has a calling, okay? I've had discussions before with people and they, when it comes to calling and, and, and you need to understand something. I'm not talking about called into full-time ministry. I'm talking about a call that is on every believer's heart and every believer's life. God has called you to be a part of the work that he is doing in your family, in your heart, in your community. He has a call on all of us. But unfortunately for some of us, there has been times where we failed. Maybe we failed in the specific calling that he's asked for us to do. And because of that failure, we, are, we kind of become like Peter. We, we just go back to fishing again because that's safe. We, quote unquote, know how to do that. And instead, Jesus is saying, hey, listen, I am totally aware of that failure. I know that you did something that you didn't mean to or you shouldn't have or whatever, but you know what? If you'll just come to me, if you'll just come to me and be like Peter and basically say, you know what, Jesus, I messed up, but you know what? I love you and I'm going to go forward with you. Jesus is not going to berate you. He's not going to tap his foot and say, how could you? He's not going to sit there and say, boy, man, you really screwed up. And boy, you really let me down. He's going to embrace you. He's going to love you. He's going to go, okay, man, now let's go. Now let's move. Now let's get past that failure and on to what I've called you to do. Because with me, you're not going to fail. With my help, you're going to do great things for me in my name and for my glory. But let's just be honest, some of us, we need to get off of the fishing boat and get on to shore with Jesus because we need him to do that deep inside of us and bring that healing that only he can do. Because our God is a God of second chances. Our God is not a God when we mess up. He looks at us and says, sorry, dude, you've messed up. It's done. It's over. You'll never be used by me again because you didn't do it perfect. Instead, he wraps us up in his arms and says, you know what? I got you. You know what? I knew you were going to fail. But I also know with my help, you will succeed. So if that's you this morning, hey, listen, it is time to let the past be in the past. It is time to allow Jesus to come and bring forth life into that situation because your calling is not void. Your calling is not over. Your calling hasn't expired. Your calling is still valid and Christ wants you to begin to walk in that calling with his help. And we're all called. So no matter if it's a situation where there's been a mess up and you're not walking in it or you're feeling like you can or you're not worthy or whether it's just a situation where at this moment in time you've stopped walking in the anointing that God has for you, today that can change. 
You see, Jesus loves to have campfire experiences with us, if that makes sense. And Peter wasn't special in this. Christ wants to do that in all of our lives. If we'll get out of the boat and go meet him on the shore. So if that's you, I'm just going to pray and then the worship team is going to come and lead us in a song. I just want you to begin to call out to God and say, Jesus, man, I need you. Jesus, right now, I want to have that type of moment because I don't want to let my failures dictate my future anymore. I don't want my failures to keep me from accomplishing what you have for me. I give it over to you, knowing you'll help me, knowing you'll be with me, knowing that I can have the assurance that when it's all said and done, it'll be accomplished because it's your will and your desire. So Father, we come to you right now and God, for all of us that are dealing with this failure in our hearts, for all of us, some of this failure for some has, has taken place just this week. For some of us, it, took, it was years and years ago. But God, whatever it is, there's a hurt there and there's a failure. There's, there's a feeling of inadequacy. There's a feeling of I, I'm not good enough or, or I failed in this and I, I don't want to ever try again because what if I fail again? Father, I pray right now that you would just come and you would have campfire experiences with those individuals. Individuals. And God, I don't know the best way to do it or what you should do or how, but God, you do. You knew Peter had to go back through this process and you took him through that process and you changed his life. Father, however you need to do that in the lives of me and the lives of these people, Father, I pray that you would do that. That, Father, but I pray at the end they would know that you love them. They would have an assurance that you're with them and that you have a call on their life that is not expired or gone away, but it's still there, it's still present, it's still viable, it's still alive, and it's still what you want them to do. Father, I pray that you would re, uh, make alive again dreams and, and things that you've put in people's hearts, ministries and, 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 and the opportunity to make a difference. Father, whatever those things are, those things that because of our failure we put away, because of our failure we, we put on the shelf and say, well obviously that was a good dream or that would have been great, but now I'll never be able to do it. Father, I pray that you would go and grab those things off the shelf. You'd put them in our lap and in our hands again and say, oh no, 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 I still called you. I'm still going to use you. If you'll just get out of the boat and if you'll just allow me to use you in this you won't fail this time I'll be with you and it'll be awesome and it'll be great but father that we would understand that our failures and our hurts and those things are not uh, the end of the story the story doesn't end with Peter's denial and his mess up and him just going back to fishing it ends with him being a success it ends with him glorifying you even through his life and his death Jesus, you desire to do that through all of us. The world literally was changed because Peter decided that his failure didn't define him. And so, Father, we need that too. So, Father, if that's us, we pray that you would just come change us, that you would just come and do in us what only you can do, that you would heal our hearts because you love us so much. You're so good. We love you so much. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. You're so good. 
so good. Oh, God. Thank you. Thank you, God.